We feed us the Tumblr fanfic that we need, that we want to see in real life. The broadcast, the biggest podcast in Vancouver, pretty much. We participate in light misandry. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Sexism. All of our societal structures are designed in ways to inherently prejudice women. Coach's Corner was kind of like my bathroom break. I don't like to be bamboozled. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. Hello, and welcome to the Broadscast. I'm hosting this week. I'm Sam, and I'm here with Mallory. Uh, Georgia is allegedly writing her thesis. If I see her on Twitter right now, I'm going to, like, harass her. Yeah, she um, definitely did post something about how she was, like, making this, like, nice little salad with all of these, like, details. And I was like, hey, ma'am, don't you have, like, a master's degree to get? Yep. Um, so it's the two of us this week, and then we have a very special guest joining us later in the episode. Um, but we're going to start with a few corrections from last week's episode. Okay. So we did say that it would be funny if Quinn was offer sheeted. Turns out that he cannot be offer sheeted, but it actually makes it funnier. I think in my opinion, I think that offer sheeting someone and you literally can't even do it and like sending that in is way funnier. So I still think they should do it. Also, Georgia did claim that Newcastle was out of the EPL. Uh, we are sorry to Newcastle fans. Apparently you're still in there. Um, they have been for multiple years since like 2017. They've been back. Um, she's a historian. Okay. She doesn't really operate in the realm of the 21st century. Don't worry about it. Anyway, if we're wrong on many other things, which I'm sure we are, because honestly, we don't do that much research. Like, we'll just say things and be like, I hope that's correct. Feel free to tell us. It's not mansplaining working when we're legitimately just wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, highs and lows this week. Um, my high this week isn't something specific, but I wanted to give a shout out to DF Pendris on Twitter, who reviews every single one of our episodes on Twitter. And we love that. So shout out to you. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, if other people could leave us reviews or give us five stars, hit subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, that would be awesome. Uh, lows this week. Well, I don't actually have a low other than that. I just burned the shit out of my hand before we started this episode, which is why I'm a total train wreck. So yeah, that's, that's my low this week is I burned myself. Um, how was your week, Mel? I did not burn myself, so that's a huge win for me. Um, my cat is currently, like, just attacking things on the ground in my okay. room. So if you hear any, like, scratching, um, she is on drugs. And that's, like, <laughs> true. She is. She has, like, her little cat nip toy. <laughs> uh, lots of fun hockey going on. Lots of white dudes on skates running into each other at full speed. Let's do that hockey. Come on. Okay, uh, moving on into sports. Um, there were a lot of sports things that happened this week. A lot of them were really serious and depressing, like Andrew Shaw retiring early because of serious concussion issues, uh, John Durant going on personal leave, uh, the IIHF women's hockey tournament in Nova Scotia getting canceled. And Mel and I are not going to talk about any of that this week because 
I am not mentally prepared to do it with a burned hand. And so we're going to keep it light. We have a fun week. And when Georgia gets back next week, we can make her talk about all the serious stuff. Um, so on that note, the first thing we're going to talk about is, um, so on that note, the first thing we're going to talk about is Quinn Hughes athletic interview with Harmon Dale. The boy Kings of Vancouver collabed. Um, and I don't know if, if you haven't read this interview, you need to go read it immediately because every single answer is incredibly entertaining. Um, yeah, the best answer is definitely uh, just the like citation of PD being such a Scorpio and him being like, yeah, one time, a couple times I would just like be ignoring PD when he would be talking to me, like, so I'd like be zoned out and on my phone. And then he would just ignore me for multiple days afterwards, <laughs> which is the most absurd thing to do. <laughs> Who does that? I was actually going to say my favorite answer is the one where, which is definitely another situation of like me finding Quinn Hughes funny out of things he does that are, aren't objectively funny, which is like a question was asked, like, would he rather play with Luke or Jack? And he was like, well, I'd rather play with Jack because I don't want to go back and I don't want to like go back and not be in the NHL anymore. Like as if that was like a contributing factor. <laughs> Oh my God. That was my first thought when I read that answer. I was like, why would you assume that you had to go backwards? Like, what if you just assumed that Luke made it real fast into the NHL? Like, also, it's very hypothetical. There was no timeline on it. Yeah. I also, I was really hoping that um, part of the reason I liked the PD answer was because he was like, he's always... PD's always asking him questions and then Harmon tried to get him to tell him what the questions were and he refused to answer and I think people should just send in tell us what you think Elias Patterson is asking Quinn Hughes in their hotel room (laughs) I I need to know like give us the answer one of my uh, questions I asked somebody recently where they definitely um we're pretending to like stare at their phone and not answer it is would you have sex with your clone? That's a possible question that Elias <laughs> Pedersen could have given Quinn Hughes that elicited the silent treatment. <laughs> Philosophical. I love it. But yeah, give us your suggestions. Tell us what you think they're talking about that Quinn refuses to answer and results in silent treatment for a few days. The NHL has a new broadcast deal. I wish I could tell you the details because (laughs) I should probably know, but one of them includes signing with TNT. And I believe the president of TNT came out and was like, they want it to be like the NBA on TNT and they want it to be about personality and having fun. And uh, I don't know if that's something that's within the power of the NHL. Like this is a league that has built itself on canned answers and cliches and showing absolutely no personality. So how do you think that'll go now? Yeah. I mean, I do think it'll be like hurting cats, like that situation of just, I don't think that they can do it. It'll take like a lot of effort. Like it'll take bottom of the barrel and also kind of finding things that are interesting out of, things that aren't interesting almost 
like us thinking that it's like very funny that me really enjoying the fact that in the uh that Connor mcdavid refused to answer the question what kind of music do you listen to in his gq essentials video (laughs) which is one of my favorite things but that's objectively not entertaining i don't know i think that they could do it with more access but i don't know if they're willing to put in that much effort for extra access um like i think it would be lovely just to have be like a fly on the wall in uh the like ottawa tenets of mark stone like situation i would love to see what's happening in that home and like a full on the like old like hbo uh road to the winter classic stuff that's what i would like but i think that any situation they would be shot down so i don't know yeah the only times i've seen anyone successfully do something entertaining was probably like in the early 2000s when tsn was doing the world juniors they did some really funny intermission segments that were really good with with the junior. So like before the NHL got their hands on them, like one of the ones I remember was they gave Dion Phaneuf like a handheld video recorder. And like his task was to make a home video of what the world junior team did in the hotel hanging out. And it was like shockingly funny and personal. And one of the other ones they did was like John Taveras and PK Subban grew up together as best friends. And it was like, the newlywed game where they had to like answer questions about each other. And wait, so, are you serious? Yeah. No, that's not the, what are you, wait, are you serious? Is the most boring man alive, John Tavares? He was friends with PK Subban. Yes. <laughs> it was like a whole thing about how they grew up together and they were really good friends. And like, there were a whole bunch of inside jokes. And I remember watching that and being like, this makes no sense. That makes no sense. Yeah. That is like kind of the thing is that the NHL just sucks the life out of you. Um, by, like, how it's run, but also just, like, in general, the, like, you have to go to an effort to keep your character, almost. Yeah. Like. Like, you know what would be really funny is if they did, like, TK and Nolan Patrick doing the newly run game. Like, that's what, that's what TNT should do. Who do you think should be on their panel? Okay. This is, like. I understand that question is like, who do you think should be on their paddle panel like consistently to actually make it good? Um, but one time Snoop Dogg did do like play by play for part of an LA Kings game. And I want him to do that more regularly. This I think that's amazing. And then Lil John does mm-hmm. Vegas games like regularly. Really? That's incredible. He doesn't Honestly, do the play that's by what play. we need is like more like randomly raps. I don't know if he can actually talk about the game, but I think that'd be hilarious. That's so funny. I'm trying to think of other, like, actually interesting celebrities that are uh, hockey fans. Um, I was talking about this the other day about how I think that, like, most celebrities, like, probably, like, 95% of them, just, like, your average, like, layperson is, like, cooler and funnier than them. Um, So, I don't know. I think what they should do is find random celebrities who don't actually know anything about hockey and that's make, good. Them, make them talk about it and we can watch their growth over the season. That's good. Yes. I feel like that. Or could... like another like local athlete or whatever, like a, yeah. somebody from like get Jimmy Butler to a Panthers game. Yes. 
TNT, hire, hire the broadcast to come up with ideas for your panel. Okay. Moving on from the NHL to the NWHL. Quick news recap. The NWHL salary cap was doubled today, which is great news. The new amount is uh, 300K. Nice. Well done, NWHL. Uh, hopefully we keep seeing the cap rise over the next few years. Uh, the NWHL awards were also today. Um, if you want to see the full list of winners, you can go check out the Ice Garden or Marissa and Gummy's Twitter feed. But shout out to Soraya Tinker for winning the Denna Lang Award. Um, and Marissa made a really good point. I'm fully just like stealing this from her Twitter feed. But she was basically like, if you want to know how deep the NWHL talent is, Jillian Dempsey didn't get a single award. The Isabel Cup MVP, co-MVP of a year ago, two-time Denna Lang Award winner. And it wasn't because she wasn't great. The league has just become that deep. So all in all, I think good news for the NWHL and uh, onwards and upwards. I'm going to ignore the like players who went on that other podcast. Brianna Decker, you're going to ignore her. That's fair. <laughs> I'd like to pretend like she does the test. We should. Okay. So oh, wait, I wanted to. Okay. So the Canucks did play today. They lost to Ottawa. Um, six to three. Six to three. It was not good. It was very bad. Um, but I'd said that next week, I will tune in. You know why? Because I'm going to watch McDavid break Sittler's record. <laughs> they play the Oilers all next week. And it to is going clear, to go very poorly. Mallory is not tuning into the Canucks game. She is tuning into the Oilers game. I am tuning into the McDavid game. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, but we do have that in writing. She thinks Davo's going to break I said. Sittler's I said record. I'm going to say about the third game is when. Yeah. He's going to break it. What do you think? Like, what do you think his celebration will be like? <laughs> I don't know. He might drink like a flavored sparkling water. <laughs> Just as a treat. There's like a 100% chance that all of his teammates will look more excited than he does when he breaks the record. What was the comment about him? He's like, I think he's on a 99 point pace in 56 games. And, like, I think somebody asked him what would it mean if he got to 100. And he was like, nothing. It was the perfect Okay, King, go off. It was so funny. Listen, he's built a brand and he's sticking to it. He has not built a brand. He has built no brand. He has no no branding. The brand is the essence of that interview that you love. It's It's so funny. I showed it to my friend because I was talking, I was talking about how like the two men that I feel very um, irrationally, like, I'm like, I don't know this man, but I want the best for him are Connor McDavid and Niall Horan. Both of them have done GQ uh, essentials videos. The sheer difference in charisma in those two videos. (laughs) It is just like a spectrum. Also the great thing about the Connor McDavid one is that for some, like, I'm not saying for some reason. I know exactly what reason. It's because he's the most boring man alive. Yeah. Um, that's like, his brand. That's not a brand. Yeah, that's not a brand to have. His it's brand not a is good like brand to have. Literally, I think at least half of the products are just things he's sponsored by, and then like another one of them is like black licorice. It is the worst thing I've ever seen, and I'm so obsessed with it. 
Oh man. So yeah, keep an eye out on that. Um, well, maybe, maybe, uh, Mel will tweet from the podcast account. When yeah. Maybe I'll happens. assign myself all Oilers games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Canucks and how terrible they are, Mikey DiPietro was on the taxi squad this year. And I think Rob Williams, um, on Twitter, it's Rob, the hockey guy noted that he had, as of last week, he hadn't played a game either in the AHL or in Vancouver in 405 days. So we're, we're now at 405 days and counting. And like, thanks to that tweet, there was, I think they started getting a little bit of traction in the media and in social media about how people were upset that Mikey was basically not getting any game time and they were fucking up his development. And so he's now been assigned to Utica. Uh, he is in quarantine, I think, for the next three days. And then they have 10 games left. So hopefully he'll get eight of the 10 games in so that he gets some games in because he didn't play a single game from the age of 20 to 21, which is interesting decision. Exactly what you needed in your development. Yeah. Somebody tried to tell me, somebody, somebody was like, this is exactly what they did with Thatcher Demko. They're just like taking his development slow and obviously it works. I was like, Thatcher Demko played 80 plus games at Boston College at the same age. So no, this is not what they did with Thatcher Demko. But thanks for playing. All right. So we are joined today by a very special guest and our first international guest, uh, Mio. That doesn't count. Um, I'm always an international guest, Sam. Shut up. You're not a guest. You're a host. <laughs> you're a host. Okay, continue. I was right. Mio is our first international guest. Um, you may know her on Twitter at Flyers Witch. And we have her on today to talk about her amazing art and specifically something very cool she's done in the last week with the Dallas Stars. But how are you, Mio? I'm good. As I said before, it's 5 a.m., so I'm a bit tired, but I'm good. I've got my drink. I'm feeling pretty well rested. I actually got to sleep at a pretty decent time. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Still a bit of the high of the whole Dallas Stars thing on this sleep, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, super cool. So, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into hockey and into art? Oh, God. I feel like that's like. So, the thing is, I'm obviously grown up in Sweden which means hockey has been around me everywhere when I grew up. But the thing is, I'm grown up hating hockey. Like, hockey has always been this thing that's, like, anti-me. Like, I'm literally the anti-sports person. I would be, like, I would be the person who judged people for liking sports, like, one, two years ago. So, like, that's, like, most of my experience with hockey growing up, whereas art has been part of me since I was, like, like, it's always been part of me, but it's been, like, consistently what I wanted to do do since I was 14 and I'm from very like being into cartoons like Star Wars, Clone Wars, like Gravity Falls, like I'm really like cartoon Disney, Star Wars, Harry Potter, like I'm very from like the nerdy part of the internet but I actually got into hockey mainly through a lot of reasons but I think like three or four years ago I started reading Check Please 
with a hockey comic. It wasn't what got me directly into hockey, but like I think through that comic, I discovered hockey fandom in general. And then I discovered hockey from a more queer perspective and from a more perspective that is not the typical perspective, you know, that it, that it, that it normally is presented in mainstream culture. And then my friend, then I met a friend and then she kind of hooked me to hockey. And then I drew some stuff and then I kind of became obsessed with hockey art. And yeah, almost a year later, here we are. That's awesome. And the Flyers are your main team? Mm-hmm. How did you... Yeah, unfortunately. It can't be worse than the Canucks. Look, I feel like the Canucks and the Flyers are like the siblings and of each other in the different divisions. Like, I feel like I feel like they have the same kind of vibe. Disappointment is the vibe. Yeah. No, like, pretending to be hopeful. And then it's just exactly. pain. Like, you have hope and then it's just pain it's not like the sabers or the red wings that are just pain on a platter you have like this is like you have a golden platter with a lid on it and they open it it's like a dead chicken or something not like a good dead chicken like a rotten dead chicken i don't know what my metaphor is it's a good <laughs> I one i agree it's a great you're one. not wrong yeah <laughs> the flyers are a dead chicken you don't want to eat <laughs> you how did you become a flyers fan and my friend i think like I think during what the time I got in was like the real was like during just before the playoffs uh, last year, so just before the bubble. And I think Flyers was like the one team the fandom was really into, thanks to a lot of the young players. So thanks to that, and my friend who like was the one who introduced me to hockey also was a Flyers fan. Well, technically she's mostly a Capital fan, so she finds it funny that I became a Flyers fan and not a Capital fan. But, like, I think she was the one who, like, introduced me to hockey since my first impression was the Flyers. And the most first people I met were Flyers fans. That's kind of where I just stuck. And then, like, I'm ginger, you know, a kind of vibe in Philadelphia. Gritty is my, like, gritty is my, what's it called, like, patron. Uh, like, gritty is, and that's the religion I follow. So, yeah. So does Mal. It was so, it was so disrespectful of them to take uh, Michael Roffle from his, like, ginger home. And sent him to the caps. Oh, like, like, I'm still weak over it. It's love, very love. sad. I love him. It is. it is. But imagine having a caps fan as a friend who's obsessed with Michael Raffle. Oh yeah. And then you're definitely yeah, you're like losing. You can't even like complain. Because yeah. they're just gonna like, rub happy. it in your face. She was like really happy and rubbing it in all her faces. It was very rude. No, no, I'm gonna close my door. No, like, support for my our emotions at all. We want to talk about your big week with Dallas. Oh, um, God, yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who's listening who wasn't aware, uh, Neo designed the Pride shirts that the Dallas Stars were selling in the last week for their hockey Pride night. Um, and you also designed some really cool lock screens for phones. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about how that all came together and how you got on board with that? Yeah, actually, like, 
I've obviously uploaded my uh, ho- my art in Hoka Twitter for a few months, and so I think Shelfie, uh, who was who is the one who was responsible for contacting me. And by the way, great shout out to her. She's the one who, who actually organized all of this and has been pushing this for years. So it's thanks to her we actually get, get all of this, and it's great having someone behind the scenes who actually want to see something like this. But I actually she. Uh, she actually reached out to me. Like, it was so funny because this was like a random, I think it was a Tuesday, Wednesday, like, evening, and I was sitting in a cafe, and, like, it opened my email, and I suddenly have this email from the Dallas Stars being like, hey, do you want to do something for our Pride? And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Because, like, I've not done, like, any proper freelance work in hockey before. I've done, like, free, like commission stuff. But, like, this was my first thing in hockey, and it's, like, the fucking that first work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the Dallas Stars and I'm just like what the heck but she actually told me she had seen a thread I did on Women's National Day about wanting to, to like like wanting to be a queer voice in hockey and like for also women of color and people of color in general queer people and wanting to change that and so I think she saw that thread shed my alarm I'm just gonna turn the alarm off <laughs> Sorry, like I had backup alarms in case. Sorry, I literally had to let my cat in my room earlier because she was screaming. <laughs> yeah, no, but so she saw my friend about that, and I think that really touched her. And then she reached out to me, and she also like liked my art. So yeah, that's how it began. Then like a week later, we had a voice call where we like discussed things, and that was like one month and a half ago. So yeah. Yeah, I've been keeping this secret for like one month and a half, which is kind of painful to do. Like, mostly knowing I'm gonna do the art, but also knowing what they were doing for Pride Night and knowing how much it was gonna matter to fans, not being able to tell that to anyone was really hard, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's like really also important in general that I think that hockey, like Pride Nights in general, are kind of a nice. They are, like, almost, like, the bare minimum, but they also are, like, a nice way of, like, literally just shoving ourselves into spaces that we actively, like, literally, the replies on any Pride Night post are just, like, the worst place on the internet, and, like, there are some very bad places on the internet. So I do think that it's, like, really great that especially so many uh, teams are actively trying to push to have Pride Nights and be more inclusive towards, like, different fans um yeah I don't know I do you think that like you had any sort of like kind of negative like experience like relating to like shitty people online or was it like pretty much like just all positive I will say this experience has almost been only positive, which I'm extremely lucky about and extremely grateful. Like, my experience with the Dallas Stars, for the starters, that was great. Like, the whole experience of coming up with the design and what I wanted to do, because a lot of, like, I basically got full creative freedom to do whatever I wanted. Uh, so that, that's why I'm a galaxy in space concept. I was just, I get full creative freedom. Let's do this. And but I also got like I also like because it was something I suggested wallpapers, uh, being like, hey, can we do it with a few more flags and stuff? And that they were important. That was really nice. So 
And then on Twitter, like, obviously there were a few homophobic assholes, but I know some of my friends went after them, so I didn't really interact with them or pay them any notice, because, yeah, not really a point. But, like, yeah. they were very minimal response. Like, most of the response of it was overwhelmingly positive, That's which good. is really great, because also when, like, Hokey does things, you'll always have some kind of pushback, but this seemed to be an almost only positive reception and people mm-hmm. actually liking what they did and thinking it was a really good thing. And I think that's so important and I'm really happy to be a part of it. But I also think it's so important in the future because now that we can demand this of other hockey teams too. Yeah. Like, now this is the standard or it can become the standard to hire queer artists, to voice queer voices more. And I think, like, what the Dallas Stars did and a bit of the, what the Devils did with having like interviews and voicing and talking about it, I think we are going in the right direction when it comes to Pride Nights. Because I know a lot of people test that, oh, Pride Nights are performative, they are PR. And in a way they are, but they wouldn't be happening unless you had someone in the back pushing them forward, since usually the people in top don't really care. I totally agree. And I think that even the fact that you got a mostly positive response and so did the stars, I think is, you know, I think people react to positive reinforcement and the more teams see that people are excited um, and want this kind of merchandise, it's not just performative. It is a way for them to engage a different demographic than they've had before. And it's an important one. Um, I think the more that they see that, the more it will become the standard, like you say. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think that, I think what made the Dallas Stars have such a positive response is because this, it's clear that this is not like a, like just the bare minimum of like, or, or pandering to queer fans. Because I usually think those kind of responses get more hate because it's not, it's not like, there's not like, even, like from even homophobic people, when it's more performative, I think people find easier to hate. But when you have a person like me behind it, and when it's clear that it's for a good cause and you're doing something good with it and you're really standing by it fully, I think that makes it a lot harder for people to hate on it. And I think when it's done well, I honestly think the people who are who don't want it or like hate it, I think they care less too. Because then it's like, oh, they did this respectfully. Like, you kind of seem like the asshole. Especially if like it's an artist, you know? Like, I think... I think the way they did it and how and how clear it was that they cared, I think that also affects how people see it. Because yes, we will be happy with small things for Pride Night, but when a team really cares, it shows. And I think that really shows the entire, that really makes the entire perception. In a sense. What was your creative process like for coming up with a concept? Because it's super cool. Oh God, so... My whole thing with my art and hockey that I want to do is world building. Like, my whole thing is I want to concept and world build hockey. I want to take the aspects of that we associate with hockey and just turn them into something completely else. Like, I do it with a lot of my redesigns. But I think, like, I think, like, the Dallas Stars, okay, what do you want to do for Pride Night? And I think that was, like, sort of where my brain began making connections because. 
I have like I have a set like if I did pitch by a team, I have like a couple of like ideas for a world that I would set each team in. <laughs> like that's my hobby, it's like just having Pinterest boards with world ideas for each hockey team and stuff. So but I had like I had like my like my stuff for for the All Stars is like it's like very like cowboy space. Like that's my two main things I have for the Dallas Stars. And so when it came to this, my first instinct was literally gay space, gay space hockey cowboys. Because <laughs> I like from a queer perspective, I know space and that kind of aesthetic is something associated with queerness. And so I kind of wanted to go into that. When it came to actually developing concepts, I can say there's like at least 40 pages in my sketchbook with just random sketches and doodles of the process. Because my process is definitely just getting a Pinterest board with like 100 pins, drawing every single Pinterest image really quickly, using those kind of ideas I have to come up with concepts. And so I had a couple of other concepts. Like I have had one that was more like a full background illustration. It was more of like a all like a the third kind of like space explorer poster. And then I had one where there's only space hockey. And then I had one one that was only the space outpost. And then I sort of combined the space outpost and a cowboy or no cowboy, but like space hockey one because I wanted, I think I wanted like an extra flair to them both because they both kind of felt kind of plain and I, have, I love the idea of like the space outpost because I love the idea of, of a fictional place because I think that makes it really easy to market because then you say oh this is a fake t-shirt from this event in space that we've been to this cool hip outpost like lit by neon stars in an outer space like I really like that vibe I think it adds a really fun touch to a hockey team and I think connecting it to hockey with space like really works and I think in this context like, I included a lot of, like, ambiguous people with, like, stars and planets' heads and stuff like that to just have that kind of queer feel, to have a design that might not be obviously gay but feels very queer from an artist's perspective and a queer person's perspective, where I think a lot of queer people connect with space stories just because of that, because it's so diverse and there's so many possibilities and options, and I really wanted to capture that kind of out otherworldly look and then also the idea of the planets and the pride flag i also think that's what motivated me was that that was such a smart idea to getting all the pride flags involved without making it an obvious part of the design so that was kind of like the process of coming up to a concept i actually pitched the Dallas stars like all three concepts and they literally were like you can do whatever you want so it's like okay i'll i'll do the one i like most i'll smash them and <laughs> So that was like, and then, yeah, that was the process, I guess. That's awesome. And I was looking earlier at the one that you did for the Canucks and that yeah. was super cool as well. Thank you. Actually, that's like, I did actually do like just the Constellation art like a, couple, a few months ago, but like I've been really enjoying recently doing my Jersey concepts. And so I have taken, I took the Constellation art and I revamped it to like more of a Jersey concept because I thought, that was fun, and I really because I you know, like the original idea behind that constellation thing. I also wanted to do like a whole zodiac system for the NHL, which is like that became too much to do. But like, if I ever got back to doing it again, I having like an each zodiac symbol for I was also thinking of doing like logos of zodiac symbols, which was also like a thought I had about that. But yeah, 
Oh, that's kind of what I love doing is taking these ideas you wouldn't at all associate with hockey. Like the ideas of like history, world building, fantasy, magic, stories, and then just doing them into hockey. Like that's kind of my thing. I really love concepts and I really love fantasy. And I think that sports is something so often not associated with those things. It's so often with the typical sports aesthetic and sports art. And obviously that design is really cool too. And it's, but you see, I think that there's a space for more obscure and creative designs as long as you know how to pitch it. Because I think that's the hardest thing with what I want to do is what the heck is this? How does this belong in hockey? And that's really what I'm trying to do is find a balance between my world building nerd and the more sport aesthetic and trying to see how can this actually work in reality? And I think that all stars was the first possibility of actually doing something like that, which was really exciting because that's literally what I want to do. That's super cool. If like, honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm buying the stars merch. And if you had, if you had your Canucks design on any kind of shirt, I would like be like, take my money. God. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to do merch for a while. I just don't have the energy or like the resources to do it myself. I'm looking into a couple options right now, but like it is a lot with finding good manufacturers. Cause I'm, I'm very picky about quality. Like, I'm very, like, that's why I don't really want to do a, like, a thread bubble or a teespring, because I'm very picky about quality, and I want everything to be perfect. And so when that comes to selling and doing merch with my name behind it, I, yeah, I'm so picky that doing it, like, not properly isn't something I'm interested in. I was planning on doing a merch thing, like, earlier, but then I got the source job which kind of like made that whole thing go. So then now I have a couple of other ideas for projects I'm going to do. So maybe sometime soon or sometime, but merch is a lot of work. And yeah, I'm, I, I study full time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I do commissions. I try to keep up my hockey Twitter. It's a lot to do. So yeah. It is a lot. What do you hope to see from the NHL in terms of Pride Night and inclusivity going forward? For starters, I really hope they start doing Pride stuff outside of Pride Night. I think that's one of my more important things is that I want to see, I want to see the more regularly spotlighted queer people. Like I know a lot of folk teams, for example, have done like small businesses during the, the pandemic and supporting those kind of things. And being able to see that with queer people, especially in sports or people or queer people who do things related to the sports and spotlighting that, I think would be great. I also think that having more actual like workshops and talks and like sort of like videos educating people like from queer people obviously about queer things to release would be important just to normalize queer things in sports because I feel it as a queer sports fan it still feels very much on the outside and so I think that making it something that's more normally a part of the whole thing is of hockey as normal to talk about I think is really important because I think the more you talk about it and the more you make it less special the more people will become accustomed to it and okay with it and I think that's really the kind of change you need to do for someone to be able to come out in NHL because it's such because queerness is such something that's usually so they, oh it's queer but there's no queer players in the league it's very like separate from that and for Pride Night themselves, 
I think the stars went in a great direction. I would like to see more specific statements from teams, especially supporting trans people and non-binary people, because that's something I think that teams usually shy away from. And I think seeing more statements about that would be really nice and important. But also spotlighting queer people, spotlighting queer creators, I think is really important. Spotlighting queer fans and having those of them included. And I think when you get back to being able to host games with actual people, how we like in events and stuff, I think the way you can do Pride Night also expands because then you can actually do events with people and you can host like you can have like you like you can have like some sort of like skates like you can have more events around Pride Night too to encourage people whereas obviously with the pandemic it's a bit harder to do those kind of things but I really think having more queer voices and as well as spotlighting queer people and talking about it more is the most important thing and doing it from a respectful an inclusive way that real that isn't like oh look at these queer people that also enjoy hockey but actually making queer people feel like a part of the sport and like they belong there which we're getting there slowly but it's obviously so hard when when the people at the top frankly don't care and probably the ones for a while and so that's why the people who work behind the scenes are actually the ones that matter and we should support because it's usually the new voices in hockey, the new employees, the people who are younger, who actually want this. And I think that the more we push and the more the people who actually work within it get their ideas through, I think that will mean. Because I don't, I'm not going to say that, oh, all hockey upper staff is homophobic. No, I don't think that. I just don't think they don't care. I don't just think it's a thing that's relevant to them. Like, for them, it's like, oh, for them, hockey is what hockey typically is. They don't really care about queer fans or the young fans because they don't understand that. And I think, obviously, that's wrong in a way, but I also think that's fair in a sense. And I think that's really why we need more people to actually push and people who, people who actually have the place in the sport and have the platform to do change. When someone, like, I wish more players would speak up on it, honestly. Like, if more players would speak up about queer things and talk about it, that would help really change quickly. Or not quickly, but better. And when players don't do that, and when a lot of the things are by the organizations themselves, like, yes, that's great. But it's also kind of, not painful, but, like, it's kind of, like, not sad in a way, where the organizations do a lot, but players don't do a ton individually, which obviously can be accounted to the whole co culture of hockey with like players not speaking up it's being like part of the team you don't want to be unique but i really think if we if more players start to be speak up about queer things that will matter a lot too because i think that's really what's missing right now with a couple of exceptions last last question from us what do you have what are you working on next that you want to plug oh god i'm working on the I, babe, me me and my projects that I never do basically no <laughs> no but I have so many ideas that a lot of them never come to fruition because I don't have that much time and energy uh but like obviously my main project is the NHL Botanicals uh we're redesign NHL logos based on Victorian flower language which actually that was my first ever hockey drawing I did was the Flyers Botanical so in a sense, that's probably the series that's most closely connected to what I love doing because it was the first thing I did and it was the first thing that made me fall in love in hockey. 
So that's the series. Like it, it's a slow process. Like each team maybe takes like a month to do. Like it's not that hard along the process itself, but it's like you know it's a lot of re- it's a lot of like sketching and processing coming up with the design. So that's kind of why it takes so long. Also, I do other things too, so <laughs> I can't work twenty four seven. But other than that, I guess I do want to make more world building concepts, and I think that's something that I hope to pitch. I do have sort of a project in mind, but that's a thing that I might happen might not happen it depends on time but i have a few ideas for some more standalone concepts one involving the Detroit red wings and then obviously and the kraken god the kraken is so good for world building i'm going to become a kraken stan and use the background art like yeah i'm just gonna draw sea and sea monsters all the time but that's like sort of like more world building concepts i think the thing i got for red wing is like a diner concept and and the Kraken is Pirates. And then I think my actual biggest project I'm going to do is playoffs. I'm planning to do like an illustrated series for the entire playoffs with like a sort of like cohesive theme and doing some kind of poster drawing for each playoff series. So that would be a lot of drawing and a lot of in a short time, but hopefully I want to die out of it. <laughs> That's super cool. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on the merch. We're super yeah. excited to see what you have coming up next. And so everyone, make sure you check out the Dallas Stars merch and also check out Mio's work at Flyer Switch on Twitter. Yes. Thank uh, you. Have a good for day also. Uh, yeah, thank you for yeah. joining us at 5 a.m. This is the start of your day. <laughs> thank you so yeah. much for making time for us. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's really fun. Yes. Have a good day. So thanks. Have a good one. Okay, so that was our interview with Neil. Thanks again to Neil for joining us. And we're gonna do our three stars of the week. Mel, who is your star this week? I had a I had one that I forgot. Oh, okay. Actually, it is the Royals backup catcher. Um, one second. The reason, um, it is him because I was looking for some reason at, um, the, like, just stats in general, but he, Cam Gallagher, he is, his current, um, batting average is 83. And I mean, to be fair, he's only batting like once a week. But that is the worst batting average I have ever seen. And it's so funny. Amazing. So, Kim Gallagher, icon. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Um, my star of the week is Mikey DiPietro for escaping purgatory and uh, hopefully getting to play some games. So, congratulations, Mikey. Your third star. My third star of the week would be totally unrelated to sports, but I want to pick Matt James for third star of the week for backpedaling so hard and now being like, I'm trying to make my relationship with Rachel Kirkconnell work. He does not deserve a star for that. (laughs) Rachel Kirkconnell, her mom was in a Matt James hate group on Facebook. She was an admin. The whole thing is so fucked up. And it's, like, also so transparent that he, like, didn't actually break up with her. Like, he was just worried about bad press. 
right. yeah mm-hmm. exactly um any f1 stars okay our uh third star of the week for me and overruling sam is um cole caulfield oh that's a good one who made it to the nhl despite his things to improve on height <laughs> Incredible. I think, um, I think Ma like posted something on her Twitter earlier today. It was like she was like, "This is super unedited," and she had put his height at four foot nine, <laughs> and it was incredible. My favorite thing about like in sports in general is that you're always like being like, "This is the oldest person. This person's ancient. This person's so short," and like they are just average. Yeah, <laughs> and especially when you're claiming people are old. It's like they are 30 years old. <laughs> this is like me and Vanessa. I was worried that I, t- I tweeted something about like people like saying that people were uh, old as soon as they turned it. I was worried that Vanessa would think that I was like subtweeting her. And I was like, I'm not like, I'm mad at other people, not you. Because I know I you're actually, joking. I actually almost responded to that by tagging her. I was like concerned. Like I literally almost didn't post it. So I was like, is Vanessa going to think that I'm like, subtweeting her it was a great tweet as far um, as i know vanessa does not actually believe that that i'm old no she definitely believes that i don't know <laughs> um please go make fun of vanessa for referring to dave Grohl as that foo fighters guy and also what else did she say that she didn't know she didn't know really? who eddie vetter was the thing is that these are not youth things Vanessa was like not it's not like she was like born in 2005 or something Vanessa just is oblivious she just does not know she's just missing out on all of these like a major pop culture things yes thank you um but yeah go make fun of Vanessa stop making fun of me and go make fun of Vanessa um you're saying that the broadcast is literally just like the battle of me cyberbullying Georgia and Vanessa cyberbullying Sam. Yes, exactly. exactly. Vanessa is about to take my crown. She's been like relentless for the last few days. Oh, I was just saying she's about to take my crown due to um, May 4th coming up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, May 4th is Georgia's birthday. So make a note. She explicitly said, I will not talk to you if you get me a Troy Stetcher cameo. And we said, interesting. Which actually, Sam and I didn't do anything. Sam and I were like, that's valid. I understand. Like, if I, like, met Connor McDavid, I would run away. Like, I would just be like, this isn't happening. This should not happen. No respect for her elders. Vanessa spent... $75. $75 Canadian dollars. On a cameo Troy Stetcher. Make George's life miserable. So uh, keep an eye out for that cameo on Tuesday. and also I'm sure we'll post it on the account. Oh, it will be everywhere. It'll be on any of our accounts, which you can find. Yeah. At Broadcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Exactly. It will be everywhere. And also make sure you wish Georgia a happy birthday. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week when Georgia is back. And we can talk about serious things. One master's degree up, I think. Yes, exactly. Bye. Okay, goodbye.